Hello everybody and welcome back to Witch Fix. Today I'm going to be looking at a graphic novel series of six issues. Uh, currently six issues is all there is, uh, although there might be more. This was published between 2018-2019 and is called Hex Wives. And I love a title pun, so I was very excited by this. It is published under DC Vertigo uh, and is suggested for mature readers, so... You know, not one for the kids. The creators of this six issue series are Ben Blacker and Mirka Andolvo. And uh, it's quite an interesting little series. So all I know about it going in was that it had been described as like uh, kind of scary and horrory bewitched, um, which had me very interested. Uh, there's a kind of 1950s aesthetic to it, although it doesn't actually take place in the 1950s which I will explain in a moment. So the premise of it and basically what the whole of issue one is setting up is that there are witches who once killed by a group of guys who go around hunting witches, they always get reincarnated, they always come back and at some point they make contact with their devil given powers and remember all their past lives. So even though these witch hunters keep killing them and getting killed by them, the witches always come back and all they're doing is you know, losing manpower in trying to hunt these witches who obviously cannot be killed permanently. So this guy who's sort of the main dude, he's called Aaron Gabriel. Uh, his father was killed by the witches and he has come up with a plan uh, to do things differently, to try and subdue them in a different way. And what he says is that a, ki a willing kiss from mortal pure uh, can stop them. It's part of a spell, in fact, that they can do against the witches to accomplish something. We'll see what that is later. And then we cut to three years later in the sort of 1950s um, neighbourhood where all the women kind of walk around like they're in Mad Men with their little kitchens, making cakes, doing a lot of complicated hairdos and wearing pearls and making salad sandwiches for their husbands, drinking coffee over the garden fence type thing. And we see a lot of familiar faces, the witches who were introduced in the first couple of pages of this issue. So you have the main coven leader, Isadora. Um, she is sort of living next door to her previous soulmate and lover, Nadia, and also Rebecca, who we saw in the opening scene defending Isadora and Nadia from Puritan witch killers. Uh, she was murdered. Uh, but Rebecca is now back. She is another lady who lives in this neighbourhood. And your first tip off that this might not be like 1950s America as it is portrayed to be is the fact that Nadia and Rebecca are both not white uh, but are living in this neighbourhood and no one seems to be commenting on anything to do with racism or anything like that. So there's this kind of idea that this is a kind of constructed reality, um, which is what it turns out to be. Basically, the witches have had their memories taken from them. And through the use of magic, technology and trickery, they have been trapped in this sort of pseudo 1950s town um, with husbands who are witch hunters who operate this town from a bunker underneath it with a load of other men from this um, kind of witch hunting institution. They refer to each other as architects. The next six issues are then the erosion of these barriers placed around the women as they rediscover their powers, discover that they are being held against their will and commit bloody reprisal upon the men who have done this. And to be honest, I was really on board for that by that point because the men are kind of assholes. Now, I'm going to trigger warn anyone who wants to read these because there is gore 
and also I guess suggestions of sexual assault even though the women are obviously believe that they are married to these men they are being kept there against their will so that reads very sketchy and very sexual assaulty so go into that forewarned what I found really interesting about the series was the way in which they come into their powers and the ways in which the men try to keep them from realizing these powers which kind of read along the lines of traditional gaslighting and stuff like that at one point uh, Isadora finds an old woman who is naked in a chair in a hidden room of her house and her husband stands there and tells her that he can't see it, that she's dreaming, that there's nothing there. And then he makes her forget that it happened. Uh, the fact that these women are being medicated to, um, I guess, prevent them from having periods, because it's explained at the beginning that it is the shedding of blood that makes their powers stronger. So they are prevented from menstruating by being given birth control pills, kind of like the heavily medicated barbiturate-taking, alcoholic 1950s housewife. Um, they are also prevented from doing anything that could result in them getting hurt uh, or shedding blood. So at one point, one of the husbands rushes in and is like, don't worry, honey, I'll kill this spider so you don't have to. Uh, so it's a kind of a nice reframing of some of these like traditional stereotypes, uh, which I found quite interesting. The artwork is also quite good, very colourful, very bright and interesting, quite stylized. Uh, I did quite like all the characters, they were quite easy to tell apart, uh, not just because some of them are helpfully different races, which always helps, um, because, you know, you can only have so many, like, blonde people. I think there was, like, one comic book that I reviewed already for this that I could not tell any of the guys apart, because it's just, like, generic white guy with brown hair, and I was like, who are you? I just don't know, give one of them glasses. Uh, but in this we don't have that because all the women have kind of their own unique personalities and their own unique um, appearances. There is some humour to be found in the comic books. It didn't come off as funny as I think it was intended to. Uh, but I liked all the like the little banter between the women. And when they started to work out that something was up, it kind of got progressively funnier because um, it was quite obviously that it was quite obvious that the men could not handle them coming into their powers for example they've all gathered in the garden in one of the later issues to discuss how has anyone ever noticed that their husbands don't really like them gathering together and that every time they are together as a group one of them pops up to kind of break up things and one of them's like well we've been standing out here for quite a while now and no one's come to and then one of the husbands comes to interrupt them which I found quite funny. One of the things that also amused me was the fact that to keep the women in the neighbourhood, they've invented this fiction that there's wildfires that makes it too dangerous for them to leave the neighbourhood. Um, and to reinforce this idea, when the women start to want to go out on a day trip, they have one of the guys get burned alive, in quote marks, and injured, so he has to be bedridden and covered in bandages. But he isn't actually hurt, it's all makeup and prosthesis. And the main witch hunter goes to visit him on his own, and the guy's getting really annoyed that he has to stay in bed all the time, he's really bored, and uh, he's um eventually placated because he he gets reminded that you know he has some acting experience, so he's the only one who could do this job. And it's it's quite funny. It's kind of guy who's just in bandages, like, I'm really bored, I wanna like come and hang out with you guys. There's also a nice moment when the witches start testing out their power and they realise that um, by causing bloodshed, even if it is their own blood, and I'm going to throw a trigger warning in there, because yes, there are some scenes in this book which are a little bit akin to self-harm, they kind of realise that this is a way to unlock their powers. But Isadora 
doesn't understand that at first and she thinks that it is you who has to bleed so she's been exercising her powers by cutting herself and then she cuts um, Nadia to try and illustrate that they have powers but the powers don't kick in until Nadia herself causes bloodshed by accidentally hurting Isadora and then there's this wonderful moment as their powers come out and they are holding hands and you can kind of see that they are remembering that they are soulmates and they used to be together which was a really nice moment artwork wise and kind of feminist parallel wise it reminded me a lot of bitch planet which is a different comic book series entirely um but it did kind of remind me of that in that some of the feminist themes are a little bit heavy-handed uh, and some of the issues that i had with this were by the end of it i understood why the women were angry because obviously they've been held and lied to but um, then Rebecca is very angry at her husband and accuses him of only loving her because he wants to be with a black woman. She says that he only wants to be with a black woman so that he can say the N-word. There hadn't really been any demonstration of that. I felt like that was coming from a real place and definitely felt like something that maybe one of the creators of the comic had experienced. But in terms of evidence in the comic book all we'd really seen of their interactions was her saying that she wanted some new clothes and him not taking her anywhere to buy them because obviously she couldn't leave the town and him not really talking to her there was always like a newspaper or something between the two of them there hadn't really been any suggestion or anything shown to show that he was actually racist so i kind of wish that had been expanded upon more to give us more of an idea of where the anger was coming from similarly at the start of issue one when we get a couple of scenes of isadora and nadia down the ages it would have ni been nice to see some of the other witches so really we only get introduced to nadia isadora and rebecca at the start but then there are Demina and another lady and uh, a japanese lady i think uh who just kind of go unintroduced until we get to the 1950s setup and it would have been nice to see them as they were before to have like a counterpoint similarly in issue one we get introduced to a strange figure in a rocking chair which is in the shadows and gabriel says to like accomplish this they'll need magic but why would they need a magic wand when they have a nuclear bomb and the woman in the chair who is the woman who uh, isadora inadvertently discovers in a hidden room in her house is described as the witch mother and she talks in german sometimes and is clearly very old um, and it's kind of hinted that they are all her daughters somehow but they hadn't really gone into how that would work because i assume they were just being reincarnated to like normal human parents and then discovering they were witches i wasn't really sure how the witch mother featured into that like mythos um and that wasn't explained in any of the issues so i kind of wish that it had been because it left me with a lot of questions which were distracting me from what was actually happening in the plot um so i'm kind of hoping that that gets described or elaborated on in like the second run of issues whenever they get around to doing those also i didn't really understand obviously the witch mother was providing the magic to keep them all there and to keep their memories hidden and the stated reason in the comic for her doing that is basically that she doesn't want them to be killed uh, and she doesn't want them to be hurt now she knows that they will come back so i don't know I'm, am i missing something here it shouldn't really matter if they get killed she also mentions that the witch hunters have killed a lot of her sisters so i'm wondering if maybe they couldn't come back because there aren't as many witch mothers as there used to be but again all of that is 
not really explained in the comic, so I was kind of a little bit confused. And I also didn't really understand why the woman had to be hidden in a secret room in the house that Isadora shared with her husband, who is the main witch hunter guy. It isn't really suggested that she has to be in close proximity to them to do the magic. It all seems to be centred on this, like, magic vase on the bookshelf, which is something that uh, Aaron Gabriel is seen holding at various points. So I wasn't really sure as to why he had left such a kind of big hidden thing within quite easy reach of his wife. Also, the men have gone to quite a lot of lengths to ensure that the women can't spill blood, whether by having a period or by, you know, accidentally killing an insect or something like that. And yet, in one of the like later issues, um, Isadora, after finding out that two of the other women have discovered they have powers, her husband tells her not to wash the sharp knives in the dishwasher because that dulls them but to wash them by hand and that seemed really stupid because you know what's going to happen what she doesn't actually accidentally cut herself she just picks up a knife and cuts herself to experiment which i felt like she could have done without him doing something quite anachronistic which is telling her to wash these sharp knives up by hand knowing that she might accidentally hurt herself and discover that she's a witch Overall, though, it is a concept that I really enjoyed. They don't do a huge amount with it in these six issues. It's basically just the setup, the establishing of the norm, and then that norm being overturned as the women discover who they actually are. But at the end, obviously, they set off to try and free other witches who are apparently being held. So that kind of opens things up to have, like, a new setup in coming issues. One thing that I would like to see more of is how they react to just normal people because in the opening of issue one we saw them being quite violent, killing a lot of people and that's what they do obviously when they find out that they are being held against their will. So in a certain sense it makes the witch hunters seem justified because they need to protect themselves and ostensibly normal people from witches but we haven't really seen a lot of things that say that actually the witches are only a danger to people who are a danger to them. So that's something that I would like to see expanded upon. Other than that, I really like the art style, the setting, uh, the relationships between the characters. Some of the dialogue is quite funny and amusing uh, and just generally quite pleasant to read. Uh, and I would suggest picking these up. I can't see at the moment that they have like a collected version, so you can't just buy like a volume one, but you can buy the six issues separately. Um, I think you can buy them digitally from their website, but also as paper copies. I bought all six issues from the same person on eBay where you can find individual issues. So definitely go out there and give them a look-see because um, they're quite a nice series and definitely very witchy uh, and very feminist as well, which is quite a uh, nice thing to just read about, especially given the kind of nods towards different kind of feminist issues like gaslighting um, and you know, keeping women in the home, like they are quite literally being kept in the home. Um, so the kind of uh, literalisation of those things is quite funny. Um, so go ahead, get a copy of those. Let me know if you know anything about when the next issues are going to be coming out or if you've read these and enjoy them, if you've found other things that are like them that you'd like me to check out or make me aware of get in touch you can do so in the normal ways and don't forget to go over to goodreads and vote using the link in the description for this episode on what books you would like to see me read next in the meantime i'll see you in the next episode bye